The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. We got McCarthy, speaker in-house. Yes, speaker of the house in the house. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Look, we've got a lot of challenges out there, but I think the three greatest threats to America long term is our debt, our education system and China. The Republican leader on America's debt crisis and President Biden's budget battle brewing. This is what will break America. Every great society collapses when they overextend themselves. And this is why it's so critical. And the 2024 race for the White House. Do you think former President Trump would support somebody else if he doesn't get the nomination? And if he doesn't, can that person win without the 30% that Trump seems to have total sway over? My answer to you would be yes. Plus, U.S. aviation regulators holding an emergency safety meeting after multiple recent near-plane crashes. CNBC's Phil LeBeau. We have dramatically increased the number of flights compared to two or three years ago. And as a result, you have a number of new people working in the system. It's Monday, March 6th. Squawk Pod begins right now. Today on the podcast, Great Expectations, the first full week of March when we can almost feel spring in the air, and investors are waiting and watching, trying to shake off the chill of February. The Dow Jones Industrial Average broke a four-week losing streak on Friday. So what's on the tap this week? First, the economy. Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell speaks to committees in both houses of Congress between Tuesday and Wednesday to talk about inflation. He'll likely offer some clue into how the central bank will approach its next rate hike decision later this month. Second, China. Senator Mark Warner, chairman of the Intelligence Committee, is releasing a bill that could outline an approach to ban or prohibit foreign technology, like the popular video app TikTok. Third, Washington's next favorite fight, spending. President Joe Biden's fiscal year 2024 budget proposal will be released on Thursday, intensifying the debt limit fight between the president and Capitol Hill. Train company Norfolk Southern's CEO Alan Shaw will face questions from senators on the East Palestine-Ohio train derailment that is also on Thursday. And the GOP-run House of Representatives will push forward on investigating COVID-19's origins. Finally, Friday ends the busy week with a February jobs report. Last month's number showed a blisteringly high 500,000-plus jobs added to the economy in January. So from around the world and the Wall Street to Washington corridor, it is one busy week. And Squawk Box anchors Joe Kernan and Becky Quick got into all of it with today's special guest on set at the NASDAQ market site, Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Joining us now, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Jacqueline, thank you for, for playing along. We had uh, Governor Youngkin, no Jack, uh, Vice President, former Vice President Pence. That's what we do on Squawk Box. I was in your house. Yes. I think it was a month ago. 
it, it was I, a month ago. It's February 7th, because it was a month since my, I was there. You're in our house yes. now. Thank you for doing that. But you were sworn in January 7th. Yes. We're doing this like monthly to, to, to check on the progress. And I hope you're more optimistic I, I since knew you were the last month. He was all down. Like, what could you even do? Why even do the job? All right. That's where I'm and going. Look at the that's, where I'm, that's where I'm going to go with this right now. It was a Wall Street Journal opinion piece a couple of days ago. Behind the scenes, you've done a lot to get the focus back on productive legislation in a bipartisan way, even approaching uh, leader um, Hakeem, Jeffries, yeah. Hakeem, and saying, I'm going to treat you the way, <laughs> which was kind of funny you said that, I'm going to treat you the way I wish I had been treated when I was m- minority leader. But it's, it, in your view, it's bearing fruit already in, in certain ways. Well, look, e- even the night I got elected, I said um, to Hakeem, um, the first thing I said to him was, um, be afraid because two years ago I had every member of my <laughs> conference vote for me too. So it, it all changes in right. a couple of years. But I said, look, we're, we're going to debate a lot of issues and we're going to be feverish in our debate, but I'm never going to attack you personally. And there's so many things that we do that doesn't need to be partisan. The running of the House, the security of the House, the respect that you have for one another. I just think it goes further. And when we were setting up a lot of these um, different committees, like created a whole new item, a, a select committee on China. I showed him who I was putting on from my side of the aisle, even before I showed my own conference, so he understood what we, I was trying to achieve with this. We would go to the skiff together, because he's now part of the Gang of Eight, so he would know the same things that I know, so he'd understand what I was trying to do with the Intel Committee. And when the Intel Committee um, reconstituted, I had us both go together and speak to them. It shouldn't be a partisan committee. It shouldn't be an impeachment committee. This is the place that you learn secrets, and this is the place you should be making investments to keep this country safe, and it shouldn't be a partisan place. So we're turning that back around. I'm actually sending the Intel Committee to MIT to get the briefing on AI and quantum, the same one that they give to the generals in our military, because whoever captures that first has an advantage. And those are the things we should be focused on instead of the stuff that they've been focused on before. It was funny, because reading this piece, it says that you're determined to bridge the gap between the two sides in the House. I just thought you meant in the Republican Party. Uh, uh, <laughs> Look, it, anybody can win speaker on the first round. It really <laughs> takes a lot to go 15. But I thought, you're right. I, I, I wasn't negative. I was just trying to tell you that... that okay, but look what we've done legislatively. Look what's okay, going on the president's me. desk. ESG. Now, he's going to veto it, but we passed that bipartisan. D.C. crime. I know it's about D.C., but it's about crime. It's a, it's a national issue that we said we'd do something about in the commitment to America, and the president just changed his opinion. I was going to say he's going along House. with you on that, right? This is he we're, wasn't we're, at the beginning, but we're gearing up for election where nobody wants to look like they're soft on crime. Yeah, but they have been soft on crime, and what D.C.'s city council did, they decriminalized everything. Carjacking. When we voted on it a month ago, there were 65 carjackings in like one month, and they want to decriminalize it. The day of the vote. A congresswoman <laughs> was mugged in her uh, elevator. I mean, it's unbelievable what they've been doing. Keep going. You, you had some other things you told me about that you wanted. Other bipartisan things that okay, you Okay, there's something we're going to do that hasn't been done. And look, we've got a lot of challenges out there, but I think the three greatest threats to America long term is our debt, our education system, and China. And so this week, we're going to ha- hold a bipartisan meeting in the auditorium. We usually only do this for classified briefings, and it's going to be on the budget. 
and we're going to bring in the Congressional Budget Office. They just came out with new numbers, and we're going to hold a briefing so everybody knows the same numbers because it is dire the position that we are, are today. We're spending more per GDP than we ever have, and we've got more money coming in uh, percentage of GDP. We've only been getting 20% in the year 2001 and 1944. We're getting it now, but we're spending so much. And if you look at the new numbers in the next 10 years, we will spend 10.5 trillion just on interest. If you look at how much we spent on over, interest. I got the over on that, by no, the way. No, but look. No, since, I got the over. Since it's gonna 19, be much, it's gonna be yeah. a lot more than that. But since 1940 today, more than 80 years, we've only spent nine trillion on interest. This is what will break America. Every great society collapses when they overextend themselves. And this is why it's so critical. But what about the debt limit? I agree with you 100% to look into these numbers, to educate everybody, to make sure everybody's looking at the same numbers and we yeah. figure this out. Some people would say the debt limit is, is simply just an order of doing business in the House because you've already spent that money. You've already agreed to that budget. I agree. How do we come okay. up and, and figure out to make sure for the next budget go around, we're way smarter about this, but not put the, the fiscal authority of the United States in question. Right. That's why I said to the president, let's be rational, let's be reasonable, and let's sit down and negotiate. Because should we continue the same behavior going forward? I agree. A debt limit, to make it simplistic, is giving your kid a credit card, they charge it all the way up. You're responsible to pay it, because you did it, but aren't you responsible to not continue the same pattern? This is a moment in time that so many times in the past that we can have fiscal reform on using the debt ceiling, let's raise it, but let's change our behavior. And I told the president this when I met with him. I said, I'm not going to raise taxes. We've got more revenue coming in at any time. And we're not going to spend as much money as we spent last year because they've increased it 30% in the process. So. Everything's on the table. Let's sit down and discuss. Uh, two months ago, people started freaking out in January. Remember, we were talking about it at the time. People were freaking out about the debt limit. I said, it's not going to really hit until June or August, or June or July. Now it's March, and I just wonder how those negotiations are going. Should well, the we feel part, any better the, the, about this? No, because the president wasted a month after the discussion with him. He's a, he's a month behind on his budget. Uh, I mean, this is why I'm trying to push this. This what I think positive about it is Republicans and Democrats are sitting down this week together with no cameras and can talk about ideas. You look on the Senate side, Schumer doesn't want to do anything. He thinks he should just pass a clean debt ceiling. That won't pass the Senate. Manchin said he won't vote for that. That won't pass the House. So why don't we sit down and find ways that we can do this? We can eliminate a lot of waste, but we can also do things legislatively. We can secure the border. We could do something on energy. How did we lift the oil export ban? Was in a divided government when Obama was in and we were in the majority. Could we do something on work requirements? There's a lot of places that can make the economy grow at the same time. When you talk about the CBO and, and all things are on the table when you're going to do this, we had uh, former Vice President Pence on. He was all over in uh, Medicare and Social Security and, and really sort of, sort of pointing, it's the third rail, it's always been the third rail of American politics, uh, saying that it's going to take presidential leadership to actually broach the subject. But it's been broached again, and you ran, you ran from it immediately, because they're going to use it to demagogue it and say that you're going to cut it and you're going to push grandma off the cliff again, and, and you know, people aren't going to have... But, but that's something that it would take real leadership to bring that up. You're going to bring that up? You're never going to solve this debt problem by one party. It takes everybody together. And the interesting part in the new CBO numbers, it's the first time in the 10-year window all three trust funds go insolvent. The Highway Trust Fund, Medicare, and Social Security. 
2032 and 2033, so all you, three of them. You, so you can't ignore the problem, but this is the challenge if you watch what the president's doing. He's out there saying something that's a lie about Republicans, that we want to cut Social Security and Medicare. We do not. We want to fix but it. We want to fix it, right? And what we want to try is find savings in the waste of where they spent the $1.7 trillion Means test, before. They raise the age. Uh, the, Look, whatever we, do on, whatever we would do on that would have to be bipartisan, but he's trying to make politics out of that. So I say that's off well, the table. It's like, who, you go first. No, you go. Are yeah. you both? But you I mean, raising, get raising Republicans okay. and Democrats to say it at the same time? I, no, I'm, tr I'm trying to be the adult in the room. So I'm not saying anything. I'm not going to argue this in the press, but what I'm doing is bringing in the Congressional Budget Office Director, not partisan, the issue. and bring them right into the auditorium so there's no cameras, and all the members could have the same numbers, and all the members can bring up whatever idea they want. And I went to Hakeem, the minority leader, telling him exactly what I wanted to do, and what I'd like to do is a series of these. Why don't we bring back, when you, bring back Phil Graham with the Graham-Rudman, bring back other times when Congress was able to f find ways that they can Simpson work together, Bowles. yeah, and bring up ideas. The power of the idea should win at the end of the day. We are now at a tipping point that this debt to GDP we have not seen since World War II. And at that moment, we are trying to save our country and save the world. Now, if you look at the spending per GDP, we're, at, we're above a 50-year high. But if you look at our revenue, a revenue average 50 years is 17%. Well, we're at 20%. So it's not a revenue problem, it's become a spending problem. One of the ideas I do like is taking back the COVID money that wasn't spent. I that's mean, an that easy, seems fairly... that's low-hanging fruit, is it not? Right, it, it's not, it's in my kitty so I could just use it however I want. You know, we, we, we passed the bill to, to end the pandemic early, all right? End it now. Well, that would save you money. You have roughly about 500 billion. You could easily grab 100 billion of that right off the bat that's not being spent. Um, and a lot of that has been wasted. That's appropriated money. That's hardworking taxpayers' money that someone just sent that's not spending. Should you waste it or should bring it back and find savings? Let's shift gears. I wish we had more time. Well, you'll be back every month, you say? Or every, yes. Every two? Okay. Well, I've kept my promise so far, see? You, you, you definitely have. China. I'm China. not going to promise do I wear a jacket, not a jacket every time. You know, you made, me, you made me take my jacket off in the cold of winter. You look good. You look, okay. This is great. And we're getting down to business. Pence took it off. Uh, Glenn Youngkin took off his jacket. This is the way we do That's things. the measurement of a good speaker. Did you wear a jacket? <laughs> um, China. Every day, China, China, China. I'll tell you one thing I want to... We, we do need to prepare for when we may not have China. Well, they're already not really very friendly to us. I mean, supply chain issues we got to bring back here. We have to. And this is but, where... But look what happened. You bring it back. You do the CHIPS Act. Look at what the Democrats are now holding these companies hostage to childcare. It's got to be unions. It's got every wish list. The, the that ESG, they you know, the, you're destroying America's retirement for their liberal causes. That shouldn't be the decision. How are you going to prevent that? We didn't. Right. This was about this was bipartisan. Should it not have passed the way that no buybacks, no buybacks for five years? And, and Becky, I, I mentioned it last week. Remember what Buffett said? What was that great quote? He said, uh, Oh, Silver-tongued silver illiterate or, or demagogue. So, so you're either economically illiterate or silver-tongued demagogue. If you said, not, not, not for all buybacks, for some. For if, some. You, if you think all buybacks are bad, that was the But word. a couple of years ago when Buffett yeah. said, you know, my assistant pays lower taxes, every mainstream media outlet said what Buffett said. Last week, not a word. Not one of them picked up what he said about Okay, buybacks. there's two reasons for that. We also moved a resolution on the floor um, against socialism. All right. This isn't Cal Berkeley. This is the U.S. Congress. A right. hundred Democrats either voted against it or abstained. 
elected to office that will not say socialism is bad. So if you wonder why it's going that direction, those people are elected. The other challenge you have is what I'm trying to do is we have failed with China because we've never spoke with one voice. Not an American position. We've waited from administration to administration. I tried to create a bipartisan task force on China when the Democrats were in the majority. I got them to agree. It took me eight months. Washington Post came and interviewed us. And the night before we were going to announce it, they said no, because COVID had hit and thought it'd be political. We got one created now. And we just had our first hearing. Because what you watch, and this isn't about defense, this is also about just not our security, but our technology and our supply chain. What China has done is done these five-year plans to go after certain parts and certain industries, and now we've become dependent upon them, be it medical, be, be it um, critical minerals, right? But they control 95% of the critical mineral processing. So if we open a new mine, we send our minerals over there. So if you watch, uh, Congressman Gallagher is chairing this. Even the Washington Post praised our first meeting. And this is that we can come out with one voice, Republican and Democrat, an American position, that we bring those jobs back to America, but we don't have us dictating these business how to do it, but we don't be beholden to China in any industry. After two decades of, of not raising defense spending in China, they're up, it's gonna go up 7% this year. Do you believe their numbers? You can't even believe where no, COVID originated. and it's only originated. 230 billion. We spend 800 billion probably, but is it all setting up we spend eight hundred billion in R and D, and they steal it. So right. they don't have to spend as much. You going to Taiwan? <laughs> you know where I travel. Uh, I, I'll announce when I do that. Uh, should we ban TikTok? We're going to have Senator Mark Warner on tomorrow. He's introducing you know, a bill that would allow it. Mark Warner is a Democrat, but he and I work very closely, especially in the Gang of Eight. TikTok brings me real concern, especially China itself. What, what do they use it for? Why is TikTok used different in America than than it is in China? Why is it limited in China? Uh, I mean, it goes back to so many different questions. Why did they keep international flights when COVID hit but stop domestic flights? That should warn you enough right there. I mean, I've watched what China has done. China has watched how we fought war after Desert Storm. And they watched we bring an aircraft carrier 250 miles from you, right? They didn't build new aircraft carriers. What they built? Missiles to sink them and islands to push us back. They watched it. Our battles also deal with space. They're not in the International Space Station. They have their own. They have landed on the back side of the moon, the dark side of the moon. We have not. It's the difficult side. They are in space. They have built hypersonic missiles, all right? Hypersonics are five times the speed. That is the equivalent of being able to punch us before we can swing at them. We just watched they put a balloon over this country, and this president waited days to decide whether to take it down. It wasn't a balloon. It's pretty much a drone that can sit and hover and look. Why we allow this and the behavior of the way they're treating us today is much different. Right, you, you, we watched President Xi change the Constitution. We now watch new people in. He's moved the CCP to a new importance. That's why, that's why their growth is so do go you down. So do you think it would be important for Republicans to, to elect the next uh, president in, in 2024? I think it's important that Americans elect the new president and that he, that he or she be a Republican. Okay. The, the, you saw CPAC just wound up. You, you, you know what, what's happening there. You know what the big question is. What, what Vice President Pence, former Vice President Pence, said that Republican voters will pick the right person to, to run. I just saw Sununu say um, there's, there's no way that um, former President Trump is going to be the nominee. Can you just, just predict the future? How, how is this going to work? How many can, if there's too many people on that debate stage, 
is that going to be a repeat Look, of 2016? I don't, have a, I don't have a problem with people having ideas and out there debating. I actually think that's healthy. Um, what the Democrats have done are different. They're trying to rig the system, right? They're changing the system before for the primary to predetermine who it is. In South Carolina. Right? Yeah, and I, I think that part's wrong. Uh, I think a healthy debate is always good when okay. it's open. So and I think at the end of the day, stage? whoever they pick, you know, normally when we sit back at this moment in time, who everybody thinks the front runner is, usually isn't the person who gets selected. And that's why it's important when you go to Iowa and New Hampshire, they're smaller states. It's like running for a congressional office. People there are used to selecting, so they're not quick to give you an endorsement. They, they make the arguments. And who, the issues that we elect the next president on are probably not the issues today. There's going to be other challenges from that time. Is it going to be a foreign policy issue? Are we going to be bogged down in Ukraine? Is it going to be a proxy battle with China? Domestically where we are, is inflation still rising as this government money runs out? I mean, the policies that the, that the Democrats have really gone makes it really a domestic debate that I think is going to continue to the election. And I, I know what you're going to tell me. You, you've got a lot to do between now in that next election, I guess. So you, you probably aren't even, I know in the back of your mind you must be thinking about how, how it works, because it would, obviously Republicans can't get a lot done as long as they're not, if they don't have a person in the White House. So that, that would be the ultimate. See, there you go with the negativity. I have watched this country time and before, and everybody always says, okay, in the last presidential race we lost, but you know in the House Republicans picked up 15 seats, all right? So, I know the quality of the candidate matters. We won the majority this time when the Senate lost for the second time, where Republican governors lost, right, and legislatures lost. The quality of candidates matter. And what I focus on in the House, we have a job to do. We're not going to get reelected in the House, not based upon who's running for president, based upon the job we do. And so, look, I'm two months into this job. I'm focused 24-7. How do we turn this country around? In, in, and if, I think that will help a Republican. If you're back that. in power in terms of maybe the Senate and the White House, will you take on immigration? Will you take on entitlement? Will you take on these look, big, or, or is it going to be more, you didn't do it last time, really, with, with, with President Trump, right? Well, I, I would argue differently. We reformed the tax reform, and it brought in more revenue than at any time okay, in the nation. But there are other it big issues. Immigration, for example. That's we, have to, we have to solve immigration, but that's part of our commitment to America. Debt. Debt to GDP, deficits, all those things. What am I doing this week? What is the debate that we're having? So what I believe has to happen, maybe we have to be better communicators based upon what we're doing right now. But we also need more people to join with us. Speaker McCarthy, last week, Norfolk Southern had the second derailment in Ohio that they've had in a month. Yes. Um, to the point where small towns like mine, the town council is trying to figure out all the trains that are coming through, what's on them, what's happening. What, it's a, what it becomes a whole new fear. I mean, this is something that you can't just paper over. We need to see why did these happen, what's traveling through, and how these communities. I live in a community that the trains go through. I, I live in a family that my grandfather was an engineer on these railroads, right? What is the ability to make sure we're safe, but also have the transportation needs that we have? And it also goes to, stems a whole other argument of why, the, why are the Democrats stopping pipelines? Why aren't we providing a, a greater security to have more pipeline movement of a lot of this uh, that keeps the environment safe at the same time? You think it's a problem with Norfolk Southern, or is that a coincidence that it's too? I don't, you know, as a politician, I don't like to prejudge without having the information. It's easy to sit there and try to point fingers. I'd rather know what caused the problem and then find a solution for it.
So I'll hold till I know, but it's a concern, and we want to make sure. We have a hearing coming up. Bill Johnson in Energy and Commerce is holding the hearing, who actually represents the area of the Norfolk um, derailment. Right, so I, I know there would be tough questions. i got to ask one more really hard, and I, I just keep setting myself up as, as the bad guy and a straw man for you to yell at. Now, Andrew's okay. not here, Andrew's so he's not, taking the role. Andrew's not here, so no. So if, if they, when we have these contests for, to, to pick a nominee, sometimes we ask all of these gentlemen or, or ladies to say... You have I, more women on the stage. You do. I will support the eventual nominee. Do you think former President Trump would support somebody else if he doesn't get the nomination? And if he doesn't, can that person win without the 30% that Trump seems to have, that former President Trump seems to have total sway over? If he were to say don't do it or, or run as an but, independent, it's going to be hard for a Republican to get elected. Okay, my answer to you would be yes, but I would also raise that question that people miss. John Kasich didn't support the nominee last time. So, you know, I know this fixation on President Trump, but know. you know what? You've got to hold everybody you to can't the same standard. You saw what happened at CPAC. He was like, you know, he had the speech. He did the set seven. What did he get? 65% of the, of the vote. But, the, but that's the role, and that's one element within the party. And why are people afraid to have a debate about issues? And if, if I look at the Republican Party, they look at President Trump's policies. They love his policies. Are they going to nominate somebody that doesn't support President Trump's policies? No. So from, from my perspective is we've watched the country stronger under that basis, but I think everyone who runs for president should support their party nominee because we've watched in history this hasn't been the case. And who would your, so favorite, pick who would your favorite be? For the well, nominee? my favorite would be to have the House be successful <laughs> so that nominee can win. Mr. Speaker, um, let's see, it's the 6th. Okay, so we'll see you April 6th. Or so? Well, I thought we rotate. You come back. I'll come back down. I will come back down to the Raven. We'd love to have you, too. Bring, bring the whole crew. Bring the whole crew. But we're yes. all welcome down there. You're all right? welcome. And if you don't want to wear your jacket, you don't have to wear your jacket. Jim Jordan doesn't wear his. He doesn't. And I took mine off when, uh, yeah. what, when I had uh, Congressman Jordan on. Thank you. Thank you for, for being here and, and coming to, to our house. How'd you like it? It's good, right? Pretty cool. It's great. I enjoyed it. I can't here. believe your entourage, man. Uh, it's wow. not my entourage. It was a lot of cars, like a lot of people. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's not yeah. mine, it's the position. And, uh, and I'm very grateful to have them. It was not easy to, to win, no. and I want to make sure I... Um, you seem, to me, you seem good, and like you settled in, and I, I, I kind of, that was Carl Rove who wrote that piece. I didn't... Well, you know, the one thing I found about this, um, going through that, it was tough on you, right? But the one thing I found is... Um, it probably made me a better speaker. Yeah, because I'm not worried day to day about what one member thinks. It's what we're able to achieve. And becoming speaker, you're speaker of the house. You're not the conference leader anymore, right? You've got to do what's best for this country. And it's, it is difficult. We have a five-seat majority. But you don't have five members all the time. We have a member who fell out of a tree. We have somebody else that their child gets sick. It, it, it is difficult. And I try to find... We don't have to have politics in everything we do. And the country can come together. And I think the country's hungry for that. Meaning expect more bipartisan activity? Yeah. I mean, but why does everything, just because one party says it doesn't mean it all has to be wrong. There is some element. We're, we're all come from the same country. And I think the country is very hungry for this. I, I mean, when I, when I sat with the president, the number one issue of the polling was the greatest concern was government itself. I mean. The country doesn't want to worry about their government. 
They want the government to work. And there's so many elements of the government that should be more efficient, more effective. And everything, when you try to make it more efficient, effective, isn't meaning it's a cut. It means it's a savings. It means it's putting us on a better path for the future. And that's why I want to make sure there's more ideas and able to do it. And so a lot of that running and what I watched when I was minority leader, even down to the security was partisan. And it doesn't need to be that way. Thank you, Speaker McCarthy. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Keys will be next. Coming up next on Squawk Pod, too many near misses on airport runways, putting passengers in possible jeopardy. Our Phil LeBeau on the Washington investigation into airline safety and what may change at the airports. You want to know what the main problems is? Fix it in Washington. And you won't see it fixed anytime soon because nobody wants to give up their piece of the pie. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Stand by Joe in three, two, one. His mic, Q. Good morning and welcome back. Welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick. Uh, Andrew is off somewhere, building his career, expanding his horizon. He's on assignment. He's not screwing around. No, he's not. He's, he's, he's working, working which he does a lot. Yes. Yeah. On this, this inexorable uh, career path, climb. He works hard. Works hard. Does. The U.S. Ec- uh, ec- we all work. If you get up at 3.30, you work hard. I'm working this afternoon, too, okay? So just really? so you know. Yeah, 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 I am. I see you looking at me like that. In a backlash uh, in Japan over reports that there, the government is considering a plan that would reduce student loans for those who have children. The government's been struggling uh, to raise the country's a perennially low birth rate. One lawmaker who heads a team uh, considering the issue said the plan was aimed at financially supporting families with children and not punishing those without them. Uh, he told local broadcasters it was extremely regrettable that the policy was being viewed as withholding benefits for people who don't uh, give birth. It looks like it's more of a carrot than a stick approach, but they, the country saw yeah, its the, lowest number on record. Right. The first time they've ever fallen below 800,000 births in a year. There were so many more people, I think, that died than that. So they are talking about a population that's potentially collapsing. Um, fertility rate of 1.3 is below the rate of 2.1 that would be required to maintain a stable population in the absence of immigration, and immigration's never been a big thing in Japan. Yeah, I have a lot. Of, I, I would have had about 
10 kids if I would have started early. Oh, I love them, yeah. Started too late. Definitely too late now, I think. Never for men. <laughs> Pretty sure it is. U.S. aviation regulators are getting ready to hold an emergency safety summit and ordering a review of industry data following a number of recent near crashes that are raising questions about the country's aviation system. Philip O joins us right now with more on this. And Phil, I have to say, reading some of the early reports kind of shocked me. As somebody who travels, I'd like to know more, too. Well, I think everybody would, Becky. You're looking at a system right now where we have dramatically increased the number of flights compared to two or three years ago. And as a result, you have a number of new people working in the system, whether pilots, whether air traffic control, whether ramp workers. You've got a lot of people who have moved into new jobs. You add that along with the congestion. And what you have is a situation where we've seen a number of rather high profile runway incursions or close calls. And that's why the FAA is holding a safety summit next week. There'll be representatives from airlines, airports, regulators, pilots unions, and they're going to focus on a couple of things. Runway incursions, basically where you have a couple of commercial airplanes that maybe either came close to hitting each other, maybe have clipped a wing in some cases, or near-miss incidents. One of the most notable happened in Austin. The pilots, when they came out of uh, very foggy conditions, saw that they would have been landing on top of a Southwest uh, aircraft. They immediately pulled up while the Southwest plane uh, hit the brakes. That's an example of the type of near miss that investigators, as well as those who are in the industry, are saying, look, we've got to figure out what exactly is going on. That's why FAA Acting Administrator Billy Nolan has said, let's have a summit. Let's get everybody at the table. We'll talk about what the issues are. and We'll talk about what some possible solutions are, though. We know that this industry does not move quickly when it comes to solutions. As you take a look at the airline index, keep in mind that the number of U.S. commercial airplane departures is approaching 2019 levels, but we're not there yet. We still have an industry that is upgaging using larger aircraft, but we're not seeing more departures. It's close, but we're not there yet. What we are seeing is an increase in the number of people who are flying because of the demand that is out there. As you take a look at the major airline stocks, more people are flying right now than pre-pandemic. Not by a lot, but a little bit more. And again, that's because you have larger aircraft and the airlines, as much as they can, are adding to their schedules because they want to take advantage of the number of people who want to fly, guys. Phil, your point about the number of new people, inexperienced people who are in the system all over the place yep. is a really good one. There's been talk, some of the airlines saying that they want to lower the requirements um, for experience for pilots. Will this bring at least some of that sure. talk to an end? Uh, I'm not sure, Becky, because what you have is an industry that is saying, look, we have people, we had a whole bunch of pilots and others who gone. They're, they're not coming back. Like every other industry, they retired, they took buyouts. We've, we've done this story a number of times. They're gone. So you have new people who are coming in. And the requirements for a commercial airline pilot, 1,500 hours, I don't think that that's going to change anytime soon. But you have a number of people who are saying, just because there are rules about how often a pilot can fly, how many hours a day, the airlines uh, are trying, obviously, to make the most use of their resources. Some are saying, should the pilots have lower work hours? 
Should they be able to be flying up to 10 hours a day if it's two, if it's a two-person crew? Uh, okay. Or should it just be eight hours a day if it's a single-person crew? All okay, of these so things will be discussed at the safety summit. Incident in Austin, Austin, a similar one in Boston that just happened a week ago, um, that those were things right. where air, air traffic control had told the pilots something that was wrong. I don't know if that's a problem of... of you know, a human error situation, or is that a problem with air traffic control systems? Because I, I've also heard complaints for more than a decade well, about how outdated the air traffic control systems are. We had Oscar Munoz on, I think it was in the right. last week, saying if he had anything he could build into and, and spend some infrastructure money on, it would be improving air traffic control systems. You're 100% right, Becky. But there is, you want to know what the main problems is? Fix it in Washington, and you won't see it fixed anytime soon because nobody wants to give up their piece of the pie. Nobody wants to give up their oversight. Good example of this, the FAA authorization in terms of money being spent. They have to go to Congress every year and say, please, may we have this amount of money because we would like to spend it in whatever fashion, whether it's new equipment, etc. You wouldn't run a business that way. Now, the flip side of that, Becky, is that you have people in Congress and you have voters who sit there and say, look, you just don't give anybody money to run in an organization. We want to make sure that they're spending it efficiently, that it is money that should be spent that way. So that that's at the heart of the problem about bringing new technology, sure, in, and whether it's air traffic control or other the, areas. The flip side of that, we talked to Michael Boyd or someone recently who, who said, look, the flip side of that is you don't want a politician running the FAA. You need somebody who actually understands You're this business and gets that too. So keep flipping the coin. There's a lot of sides on it. Yep. Phil, they're playing us out, but um, I, I have the feeling we're going to talk a lot more about this. Thank you. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. And that's Squawk Pod for this Monday. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your thoughts. We're on Twitter at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.